Welcome to Average Joe Rock and Roll. I am Michael J. Rock, and I am on today with uh, Jason. How are you, Jason? I'm doing well. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good, thanks. Doing really good. Um, liking, uh, you know, the uh, talking with people on on the virtual couch. So, uh, welcome to the couch. Um, Glad to be here. Thank you. What uh, What's exciting you these days about music? Oh wow! Well, there is. Um... There's a lot going on. I mean, I, you know, being a, a child of the 80s and 90s and growing up on a hard rock and metal of that era, um, it's interesting to see how many bands have stuck together over time, how many bands have, you know, have only one original member left and how many, uh, how many music, you know, albums that were recorded in that era still stand the test of time. You know, they've, they've held up over time. Some not so much, some... Some do, but it's just it's just interesting to to see uh, which musicians keep going and which ones kind of say nah. Like Vito Brada from White Line, you know, he, yeah. he bowed out once once they got kicked off the major label. Um, he just decided that's that's it for me. So a um, lot of new bands out there. I think there's some some fresh blood, which is uh, always exciting to see. Um, some of the upcoming hard rock bands not not all of my love but there's you know there's bands like georgia thunderbolts and uh even bands like the struts i think are um uh keeping rock and roll alive and keeping it interesting at least for me absolutely yeah one band that i think of you know when you talk about newer bands that uh maybe have some staying power is the rival sons um don't yeah. know if you've had a chance to check out their latest album yet um it's really good i, uh, I you know i haven't I, yeah yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely worth a listen. Um, it really grew on me. It to me the before that the great great uh, Western Valkyrie was my favorite. Um, this now mm -hmm. is 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 going to be my favorite. I think. Um, it's really really growing on me. I've listened to it now probably ten times. Wow. Um, you know, and it's funny too that you talk about you know the you know the the progression of bands over the years because a lot of these bands that don't have any original members or have like one original member. You know, yeah. in a lot of instances, it's not because of, um, you know, people getting fired. It's, you know, people, people wear out, you know, people get older, um, they move yeah. on, um, they don't, they're not in music anymore. Um, I, I, I saw a post one time, um, you know, there was a Warrant song, one of the, new, the newer Warrant songs on YouTube and somebody posted on there and they're like, yeah, he's no Janie Lane. Well, no. And somebody underneath said, well, Janie's dead, you know, so. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't get thrown out of a band. They through fruition, they had to leave a band. So, and if you want to keep that band going, you got to, you got to find that filler player, you know? Right. And, you know, so if you go to a concert and you know that they're not originals, you can't complain about that because you bought the ticket and you went. You yeah. Know? I mean, do no. your research too, you right, know, absolutely. don't, don't, don't expect to see a band that formed 30 plus years ago to have the same four or five guys right at this point that's just a, a ludicrous uh, expectation <laughs> right so right. do your homework you know we, we live in the age of information google you know the internet it's all there at the tip of your finger so if you really want to see what what you're getting into when you buy that ticket or before you buy that ticket check it out you know see what other people are saying too some you know some bands have to get a new singer like you know in skid row's case they just could not get along, you know, Sebastian and a few of the other members are just, I don't see that ever, that bridge ever mending. Um, so, right. you know, Hey, it, 
I know they've gone through a couple singers in the past 15 years, but um, heard great things about Eric. You know, he was in that band Heat yeah. uh, for a number of years, Swedish band. Uh, I guess you would call him uh, melodic rock or AOR metal or whatever. You know, it's yeah. kind of a um, melodic sounding, 80s sounding hard rock. And he, he's a really good singer. So, it, you know. If, if if you if you kind of open your mind a little bit and, and realize that hey I'm not gonna go see the same four or five guys but it still might be a really good show you know it's they still may have that original uh, fire and that original um, concept of the band then it, you know it may be worth checking out give them a chance I actually saw them live with Eric Gromwell and yeah. um, he brought it uh, brings a certain energy to the band that probably hasn't been there since Sebastian left because Sebastian like like him or hate him the reality is is he was a stage presence and he had a ton of energy and he tried mm -hmm. to the crowd and Eric Gromwell's doing the exact same thing and he's younger he's at this point in time in his life because he's younger he he also battled leukemia so he's got a certain energy that somebody mm. might not have because of his age because of his battles and the reality is is he's a killer singer and he nailed all those songs um he's not sebastian but you know what he's pretty came pretty close another person yeah. to think of is uh jack russell with great white right so jack mm -hmm. never getting back with great white that's you know i mean that 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 ship has sailed um yeah. we actually saw great white recently with the newest lead singer the kid's like 22 years old and you know what all of these other lead singers in great white to me none of them sounded like jack russell none of them even held a candle or came close but this kid that right. they know, he is very close and he, he may have some staying wow. that band and he's very i actually watched him talking to a fan and the kid is very humble he's young he doesn't have an ego um so he may he may have some staying power with that band nice yeah i know i haven't been attending concerts as frequently as you have um i know you're pretty active on the monsters of rock cruise and and, and hitting some taking some bigger trips to shows so i'm hoping in this year and now that covid's kind of behind us and a lot of that drama that went al along with that uh that i can start getting out and getting to you know more shows as and i've kind of done that this year and i've seen alice cooper i've been to the eagles uh cheap trick a few other shows uh, down here in north carolina tennessee area uh, so i'm pretty jazzed to see to see what upcoming shows are will be coming around in the next uh half a year or so yeah absolutely and, and and every one of those bands that you mentioned um have a bunch of repl replacement players right <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah player. every single one of them yeah yeah i mean How cheap trick yeah cheap trick held it together for those four original guys for a long time you know they made it through the 90s and 2000s and um they just uh had a falling out with their drummer, Bunny Carlos, but, uh, you know, they've got other family members kind of stepping in and, 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 and playing second guitar role and playing, filling in on drums. And they, they sound really good. Yeah. It sounds like cheap trick. I know. I, I wish Bunny could be there. Um, but, uh, you know, some, sometimes the, the band as a whole needs to move on. And, uh, that's, I'm glad they have, cause you know, that, that was a great concert to see in 2023, you know? Sure. I never thought when I first got into Cheap Trick back in the late seventies, early eighties, that I that I'd be watching them forty years later. You know, you just the band. I'm sure you know. You hear musicians talking about that too. They don't think about, hey, let's start a band so we can be in our seventies and and still play this 
music from the same band that we're starting right now. You just, you know, you don't know. Um, right. right. Of course, you know, the stones have kind of set the standard for <laughs> how long can a band go and stay together, you know, uh, the core members of that band and keep it going. So uh, they've, they've set that high watermark and, uh, you know, all the other bands from the seventies, eighties, nineties are kind of, kind of following that path. Some can pull it off and some can't, but, um, yeah, Cheap Trick is one of those bands that can pull it off still in 2023. Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, Bunny Carlos not being in the band anymore. Um, I saw a recent interview with uh, uh, Steve Brown, uh, Mick Brown's brother, who is now in Tesla. He's taken uh, Troy mm -hmm. Lopez's place on drums, and um, he was asked, you know, being in that rhythm section, he was asked how what his approach were to the songs. And his answer was, I'm playing them exactly as they were written they're they're good songs why would i do anything to change that you know so um right. you know, i think if somebody comes in in a respectful manner um and and not an ego and he seems very he seems a very like a very down-to-earth guy um then you know things are probably going to progress pretty well and fans aren't even going to notice you know yeah in a lot of instances um, most won't yeah Right. drummers might notice people that are you know right and i'm yeah. sure that i'm sure you know he's got his own style he's even though he plays hard rock and he, you know, he probably grew up on the same guys that Troy grew up on being a child of the sixties and, you know, fifties and sixties, I'm sure um, they were into the, a lot of the same bands in the 1970s. And I'm, but yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm glad that they do. A lot of musicians kind of approach it that way. They, they don't try to create a completely different animal or, or they don't take on a gig that doesn't fit. You know, when, when Cliff, uh, the one thing I think of when I think of that is, um, when Cliff Burton died in Metallica and they um, they were looking for replacement bass players, you never, of course, you're never going to find another Cliff Burton. He was he was such an original, um, had such an original style, such a unique uh, personality. How do you how do you fill that void? Uh, it's for such a young band, too. You know, a lot of these bands are doing it, uh, you know, 40 years on. They Metallica had to do this 10 years into their career or so. Um you know you what an undertaking yeah you can't and and you know god love that guy that comes in and tries to take his place because it's not <laughs> him you know i mean I, yeah. it's the same thing with uh brad gillis with ozzy osborne right so you know yeah. Randy Rhodes dies they got to do the speak of the devil tour he need ozzy needs a guitar player and brad gillis is that guy you know and he was under yeah. that shadow and he did not want that oh yeah he felt it no before. oh yeah Yep. that's huge shoes to fill um so like you know less claypool of primus you, you know primus from the oh, yeah. 90s yep. more more alternative and experimental he auditioned for metallica um he was a friend of kirk hammett and um he said you know he primus hadn't formed yet it was early on in his career i'm not sure how young he was at the time probably in his early 20s but uh yeah <laughs> even back then he was not a metal player you know he he could play metal music he can play he has the speed he's got the dexterity he's got the talent but you know it was the wrong piece for that puzzle and i think les knew that going into it that he just did it just as a you know a challenge and he was friends with kirk, kirk invited him out or whatever so can you imagine if if someone like Les Claypool came in to to fill uh, Cliff Burton's shoes, how radically that would change their sound? They didn't want that. They wanted they wanted to keep it Metallica. 
you know, of course, uh, Jason Newstead got the gig from Flotsam and Jetsam, uh, who he was playing with at the time. And he's he's got a different style. He plays with a pick. Yeah. Uh, whereas Cliff was a finger picker. So there's definitely a different style there, but it's it fits. You know, it, it changed their sound a little bit, but it wasn't radical. Yeah. And and he certainly felt that, you know, he I saw interviews with him over the years where, you know, he he I think he felt like the redheaded stepchild of the band just because of whose shoes. he. Oh, was yeah, on, for sure. Well, yeah. And plus they hazed him. I mean, the I, stories yeah. of yeah. Uh, the hell that they they yeah. <laughs> they put him through uh, to initiate him into the band and to kind of, you know, they were grieving um, also. So I think it was just kind of a way to release uh um release those demons if you will and they took it out on jason unfortunately but um, it seemed to have worked out pretty well he didn't quit right away so that's that's a pretty good sign and he hung yeah. in there for a yeah. while well he probably had that type of personality where he could take it a lot of guys wouldn't have put up with that they would right <laughs> you know, who cares yeah. don't care if you're metallica i'm done you know right you know i mean it takes a special personality to to move through that so, um, so you said you recently had seen the uh, latest Alice Cooper show. Um, yep. how, I know that uh, um, they changed the stage set. Um, how is it compared to previous uh, concerts you've seen with Alice? Let's see. I've seen Alice, I'd say in the past 10 years, probably five times. So it, kind of on an every other year pattern um, with, with him. Uh, last time I saw him was at the casino here in Western North Carolina um in Cherokee uh, and that was about two years ago it um that stage show was a little more elaborate and I think the fat theatricals in that tour from 2021 were a bit more elaborate um I'm trying to think of Detroit stories had come out yet at that point I don't think it had um maybe it was right before Detroit stories came out but yeah, it, it focused, you know, he, he changes it up every tour. You don't, you're not going to get the same show. Yeah, a lot of the same songs, you know, you're going to hit, you're going to always hear Schools Out and probably the very last song. Uh, I don't think he's changed that up for a while. Um, there weren't a lot of surprise songs this time. I, usually he pulls out a deep uh, catalog nugget uh, yeah. or two, um, you know, something like Clones from his 80s period or even some, you know, some songs from Raise Your Fist and Yell and Constrictor when when they were on E Records in the mid '80s, um, those are always welcome because that's that's the era when I first started getting into him. Yeah, um, me too. Yep. I I kind of got into Alice late. Uh, I didn't, you know, I don't have a bigger brother or sister to kind of turn me on to rock and roll. I was the big brother, so I was kind of discovering bands from friends and you know mostly people my age. There were a few kids in the neighborhood that were a little older that turned turned me on to some. 70s artists like sweet and um trying to think what else not so much deep purple but anyway there's other thin lizzie and even early def leopard when they first started out i, I found out about them through a, a neighborhood friend who was about a year or two older than me but um yeah and alice cooper uh he's still he's still got it i mean the guy's you know in his 70s right late 70s i think mid to late 75. he's up there yeah yeah yeah, 75, that sounds right. Um, his vocals aren't quite as strong, but they're not noticeably weak either. Yeah. You know, I considering how old he is, I'm surprised at how good he sounds, honestly. Um, 
So it was nice. I mean, I was I was actually kind of excited when Kane Roberts came back to the band because I grew up on Constrictor and Raise Your Fist and Yell. Those were the first two albums that I bought as new releases from Alice. Um, I had greatest hits prior to that, you know, probably from one of those uh, Columbia House Record Club or BMG Record Club deals where you, you know, you get 10 albums for a penny or whatever. You probably remember those deals that used to sure, circulate yeah. in the magazines and whatever in the local newspaper. Um inserts but um so i had greatest hits and you know i liked it but when when he started when he got back when he cleaned up and he got back in the game and you know he came out with that video for um from the freddy uh, not freddy krueger but uh jason um he's back the man behind the mask yeah from jason five or whatever um whichever installment of that movie it was but or a series it was um that's when i really got into alice so anytime he brings back a constrictor song uh, or a song from, especially Raise Your Fist and Yell, because I thought that was the better of the two albums. It was a little more... Yeah, I agree with that. Well-written. Well written. It was better. It had better writing on it, heavier. Um, I think. A little heavier, a little more coherent. Yeah. Um, I think he was just getting his feet wet, you know, back in the water with Constrictor. But, yeah, it was a great show. Uh, I highly recommend going to see Alice. Um, and another band that I saw just last week, that's been around for a while that I was pretty impressed with was King's X. Yeah. Doug Pinnock, huh? Well into his seventies. Yep. Another guy who's, you know, he, when they, and they were an 80, late eighties, early nineties band when they hit their stride, you know, when they started, when they came on the scene, but he was a good 10 years older than the other guys in the band. They were a trio, yeah. still the same three guys. Uh, the drummers had some health issues in recent years, a heart attack, and he's had some procedures done. Um, but he's back in the saddle. He sounded good. Doug at 70 plus, um, you know, he's still really skinny Doug and still doesn't wear a shirt on stage and, you know, slings that bass you know, really low when he plays. Uh, but he's, he's, he still sounds really good. Again, he doesn't sound like he's 30 or 40 or whatever it was when Kings Wex were in their peak, but he's, he's still very good. And they, they were very tight. Um, it was, it was a really good show. I'd recommend that that tour as well he's uh he's a uh, uh, one of the most probably one of the most underrated player singer players out there um he was he did a project with the winger band called the mob um mm -hmm. red beach um uh and you know kip winger actually did the bass parts on that album doug pennick right. did the bass parts on that album he just sang and mm -hmm. i don't know if you've heard that album um but i, I have to album and i think I can hear almost every one of those songs on there being sung by Kip Winger, but it's sung by, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, I, and he pulls it off, you know I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so they don't sound the same, but if Kip Winger it was to, you know, disband Winger, um, I would mm -hmm. like to see that band proceed forward with Doug Pennick in it. You know, I just think yeah. he brought a certain something to that band that um, Kip doesn't bring. They're two different vocalists, um, but yeah. it's a solid, solid record from front to back. Yep, very well written. Um, the drummer from Night Ranger was on there as well, and he, he did he contribute any writing on that? I know he he is a songwriter and a singer. Yeah, um, I don't um, when he's know in Night Ranger. Remember the, the the actual album credits? I just know that I know Kip Winger wrote a lot of that. Yeah, um, he produced it. Yeah, it, it definitely has that sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, very recommended for Winger fans. I agree. It's it's a good album, and it it came out and it 
it didn't get much promotion and it just kind of, you know, it was, it was a one-off project. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just something to do to keep these guys busy because, you know, they, a lot of, they just didn't have a lot to do. I'm sure. I mean, the demand, this was what early two thousands probably. Yeah. 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 There just wasn't a whole lot for probably, there was just a project that filled time and it was creative and it was cool to work with other musicians. I'm sure they enjoyed working, um, collaborating with people that they normally wouldn't collaborate with. So, and that kind of kicked, and that's kind of been a, a, a theme for frontiers records really since then, where they kind of pick guys from different bands. And I think a lot of that, the label initiates, um, but there's so many super group projects with George Lynch. And of course, Michael sweet with sweet and Lynch and Doug Pinnock was in a, a several of those bands and, Night Ranger guys, you know, uh, the bass player and singer from Night Ranger, he was in uh, several of these projects. So, um, and a lot of them are really good. I mean, some of them sound a little generic, um, but uh, it, any of those stick out in your mind? Any of those projects? I love the first two Sweet and Lynch records. I haven't heard the new one yet, but. Um, um, so, you know, obviously always liked Lynch Mob. Um, yeah. Um, there was uh, Lynch Pelson. Um, that yep. was really good. Uh, yeah, Pelson and Jeff Pelson did the lead vocal on that. I thought that was a really solid record. Um, and we were talking about uh, Red Beach a little bit. He did another project called Black Swan with uh, Robin McCauley on vocals, did a couple albums. Yeah, very um, good. Yeah, that's like, a very good band. Uh, um, I mean, they're like you said, there's so much. I mean, Revolution Saints, Revolution Saints started as Jack Blades, Dean Castronovo. Mm-hmm. And who was the who was the guitar player? Was it uh, Aldrich? Yes. Yep. And I don't think any one of those members are original now. They've swapped them out already. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Super group, just different members. (laughs) Different members. Yeah. Interchanging. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Dean Um, Gastronovo is an interesting uh, dude, too, because uh, he sounds just like Steve Perry when he sings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they they replaced Steve Perry with uh, Arnell Pineda, and he does a great job, but they already had another Steve Perry in the band. You know, Dean yeah, could easily pretty much. Um, so I'm yeah, not sure why he didn't, but he's he sound. I mean, I've heard him do Journey songs, and it's it's an uncanny. KXM was another project that I think Frontiers put out. Do you remember that? That had Dude, Doug yeah. Pinnock. I was Doug Pinnock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the drummer at George Lynch on guitar, and I think the drummer from um, mm, the alternative band. Oh, it was uh, 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 what's his name from uh, Tool, right? Um, wasn't Tool, Mark no, Cohen. it was Horn. Yep, the Horn yeah. guy, uh, Ray, Ray, Ray Lucier. There you go, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that project mm, it was okay, it was more alternative focused, not not straight ahead melodic, you know, rock or metal, but it was more kind of had a more of a 90s, 2000s metal feel to it, which is okay. I mean. But it didn't quite strike a chord with me as as those other projects. Yeah, when part of your rhythm sections from Corn, um, you know, <laughs> a little bit of a different turn. I did listen to it. I don't remember it. Um, yeah, it sounded I, you know, which to me is not a good sign because uh, yeah, I don't listen to it very much. Um, but again, there's so much out there with the super groups, uh, and there's there's only so many hours in a day, and right. You know, always want to go back to your staples and, you know, what you what you really like and, you know, the stuff that you just listen to over and over again and the stuff that has the staying power. Yeah. 
one question. Why didn't King's X make it? Uh, were you were you much of a fan of King's X um, I uh, back in the day? Um, I can appreciate mm -hmm. it more now than I did back then. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a friend that was that was big into King's X. He he was a big king. His his three favorite bands were King's X, Metallica, and Motorhead. Those are this guy's <laughs> favorite bands, right? And uh, you know, I just uh, for whatever reason, I just did not get into them. Um, but as yeah. I'm older and the more I've listened, the more I like. And and I certainly am a Doug Pinnock fan. I I really like. I said I really like his vocal. Yeah. I I was working. I actually worked in uh, the music business for a couple of years in New York City, and I was at Atlantic Records uh, when King's X was on the label. This is early '90s, so we're we're talking what '91. So I was at Metal Blade Records for a year, year and a half. So I was at Atlantic for about a year, year and a half. So we're talking '92, '93. King's X was about to put out their fourth album. Um, and their third album, Faith, Hope, Love, um, was the one album that um, that had such a huge buzz going for it. Um, they had two albums under their belt. They started with Megaforce Records, which was the same label that had Anthrax and uh, Metallica originally in the U.S. But, um, you know, it was, it, and then a lot of those bands transitioned. Ace Frehley was one of those as well transitioned over to Atlantic Records because they had signed a deal for like, hey, any bands on your label, we'd like to pull them up to Atlantic Records and give them a push, you know, give them, put some major money into them because Megaforce can only afford so much. They're a small indie label. They've got a limited budget. You know, they just, they can't, they don't have a lot behind them to push a band. Whereas Atlantic is obviously something, uh, a, a label that's been around for years and years and has such a huge history uh, and has a huge staff. So I was working at Atlantic Records when that fourth record came out, um, which was just called King's X. And this is kind of a telltale sign. That previous record, Faith, Hope, Love, there was such a huge push by the record industry to make sure that that this was the album that was going to hit, that, that was going to make them superstars. People in the industry, fellow musicians, other labels, you know, people that worked in the industry in general, this was one of their favorite bands. And everyone, you know, lucky to have these guys because they're going to be huge. That was kind of the general consensus in 93, 92 about King's X. Yeah. So Faith, Hope, Love is... They, they've made a video for It's Love, and I think they made one other video as well. And put them on, they put them on tours with major bands so they would get maximum exposure in, in these bigger arenas. Um, but for whatever reason, and I thought that third record was a great record. Those first four King's X albums, I, in my mind, are the first three really are just classics. I know they're different. They're not, you know, this was late 80s, early 90s. They kind of had an alternative feel. The guitar tuning was a little weird um, for the time, really kind of ahead of its time, really, because, you know, they were kind of doing things that grunge bands were um, tapping into and, and later brought to the mainstream. But King's X was doing it first, at least, you know, for a major record label. Um, and when, when, when that album, when that third record, Faith, Hope, Love, didn't, didn't, sell it got a lot of play you know it got a lot of a fairly good amount of airplay on alternative and metal uh shows and stations i think mdv played the video maybe medium rotation i don't think it ever got into high rotation so they gave it a shot but 
I, I just, yeah, it's, it's too bad because when that fourth album came out, I remember being in a meeting, I worked in the video production department at Atlantic records and they were going to do a video for a song called lost in Germany, which was on that fourth album. And, uh, it was on the slate to be made. They were picking a producer for the video, you know, ideas for the video. Um, I wasn't on the inside of, of these meetings, but I was kind of being informed because they knew I was a King's X fan. So sometimes they would come to me and say, oh, what do you think about this? What you're a fan of Pantera and you're a fan of, you know, Skid Row. What do you think about doing this? Um, so once in a while they would do that. But um, yeah, at one point they were going to make this video. It was on the slate to be filmed or whatever. And then they, it, at some point they pulled it. They just said, no, we're, we're going to cut it from the budget. I don't know if it was a, a cyclical budget cut, but they decided, no, we're not going to do this. We don't. And at that point you knew that King's X were not a label priority. Right. Um, right. When that third album, when that third album didn't hit and it was time to prep, prep for that fourth album, if you didn't make a music video for a major record release in 1991, when MTV was huge, that that was a sign that it was you were toast. <laughs> you know, you were on your way out as far as that label was concerned because they just saw you as a falling star rather than a rising star. Sure, and, and that, that, it was sad. Yeah. You know, it was sad because I I really liked them. I thought they deserved it. I you know I met them several times at various shows, um, and they you know they're great guys, but they just it just didn't click with with the general public. Well, uh, during that time period, um, and you know, the age of MTV, it costs, you know, in some instances in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a video. So, um, you know, they yeah. were probably being a little selective with that. And, you know, they could have been pig pigeonholed a little bit too, because even though they sounded a little grungy, they weren't from Seattle, yeah. they weren't wearing flannel, um, you know, and they might not have quite fit that mold. So they might have been lumped into some of the other 80s bands that came out, like a Skid Row that might have. Mm -hmm if they were in the early eighties, as opposed to the late eighties. So, um, you know what? I take that back. They did do a video for that album. I totally forgot that they put it out on for, there was a song on there called black flag. So that was the initial video. That song did not do well. Um, it was the second video that they were going to do lost in Germany. And that's when they pulled the plug and said, eh, this album's dead. It's not selling. Um, this is their fourth record for us. The last one didn't hit when we put a lot of money into the last one. We don't think this one's as strong. So we're really, not, we're, and it's not reacting well to, you know, that well with that first video. So when the second video time came around for doing lost in Germany, they said, nah, we're going to, we're going to pull the plug. They ended up releasing one more record, one more studio album after that. And it, it got zero promotion, no video for that fifth record. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was, uh, um, actually they did do a video for dog man. It was the record after that, but anyway, they, it's just, you know, the, after faith, hope, love, that third record didn't hit. They just, they, it was, the writing was on the wall Yeah, and their popularity did decline. I mean, the, their music kind of got a little heavier. The grunge era was, was right there knocking on the door. Uh, their music started getting a little heavier, less melodic less uh, of the vocal harmonies because that was kind of a highlight of those first three records were those vocal harmonies. Um, I think they felt, had a falling out with their manager, which was the guy who managed ZZ Top. Uh, name escapes me, but uh, I want to say Bill Ham, but that's not him. That's another ZZ Top producer. But uh, anyway, 
it was yeah they're they're a great band i'd recommend go see them they've they've had a lot of ups and downs over the years mostly downs but they've uh you know they've got a hardcore following and uh, they do still go out and tour so yeah no well i'm glad you got to see them so unfortunately jason we're about out of time here um okay appreciate you coming on the the virtual couch today um appreciate yeah thanks for having me um we'll uh do it again at some point uh that'd be great with that um i am michael j rock i am a rock fan enough said thank you jason